I'm Nimzal Mohammed, and this is Jobmakers. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center, a not-for-profit giving immigrants a voice. Every Thursday at noon, we explore the world of risk-taking immigrants who create new jobs, products, and services in Massachusetts and across the United States. Immigrants are twice as likely to start a business. So an outsized share of immigrants give back to the country they now call home by creating jobs. The paths they take are usually unconventional, and oftentimes they fill gaps in the products and services being offered. For Ellie Kaplansky, that unconventional path included dropping out of high school and essentially taking the place of the business that gave him a break when it was found that they were committing unethical practices. Unconventionally for an immigrant, his business was more conventional than most, insurance. But since 1974, Ellie has created hundreds of jobs in Massachusetts and beyond, with 85 employees and 15 offices across the state today. And he has grown his business, especially during the pandemic, with 37 acquisitions to date, such that Kaplansky Insurance was named to Inc.'s 5,000 fastest-growing private companies in America list. Ellie's success is more than just the pride of having made it. It fulfilled the desires of his parents when they moved from Israel to America in 1955, with just the clothes on their backs and an aunt to take them in. Their journey began in the concentration camps of Germany, and Ellie's story is all about the freedom America offers, as you'll discover in this week's Jobmakers. Ellie Kaplansky, thank you so much for joining us on Jobmakers. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for uh, having me join you today. Tell us a little bit about your business and uh, your vision for your company. Well, uh, Kaplansky Insurance, I founded it uh, in 1974 at the uh, ripe old age of 22 and uh, started from scratch. Uh, basically, uh, uh, saved up a couple thousand dollars, had my mother's parents co-sign for another $4,000, uh, rented a storefront and had no idea what I was doing. And uh uh, we've been uh, growing steadily since then. The first, I'd say, the first ten years were were, were difficult, but uh, we're uh, we're going on. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've lost track. Forty six years or something like that right now, and uh, uh, we've been very active both in organic growth and in um, acquisitions. So, and we're continuing to do so. You were named uh, by Inc. Uh, as one of the fastest growing, uh, Inc. 5000, one of the fastest growing private companies in America. Um, what do you attribute to that growth? Well, a lot of it really is uh, due to uh, acquisitions and really understanding our industry. Um, and, uh, you know, timing is, is, is part of it. It's, a, it's an industry where uh, the average uh, owner of insurance agencies are getting older and they're retiring. So there's more and more opportunities. Um, and uh, I think, too, that, you know, it, it's not a very, um, in most people's eyes, it's, it's not a very uh, glamorous business to be in, but uh, 
people that work in it realize uh, that that's not the truth. It's a, it's a great business to be in. Uh, and uh, people have the ability to make uh, very nice incomes from it and uh, be there for our clients when they, when they need us the most. Uh, insurance is something you, you have to have. You hope you never have to use, but when you, when you do have to use it, uh, that, uh, that, that's what we're here. Um, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I found that out the hard way. Uh, about four or five years ago, we had a major fire in our home. We were displaced for almost a year and a half of rebuilding it. And um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm evidence that uh, insurance is important. Trust me. So the, you said you started in 1974. Um, you actually moved to the U.S. when you were just uh, three years old, right? I did. Um, my and parents... Your, um, parent, your parents moved here after relocating before that. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, my parents uh, met in a very unusual situation. They met in uh, Hitler's concentration camps. Uh, my father had been in for six years and my mother had been in for one year. And uh, they met uh, very close to the end when they were liberated. And um, uh, they met, they were in Germany. Uh, my, I have an older sister who uh, was born in Germany. Um, then they immigrated to uh, Israel and uh, I was born in Tel Aviv. Uh, and uh, when I was three, they, they came over here. Um, my aunt had already immigrated. She had already also been in the camps and she had uh, survived and immigrated to Worcester, Mass. And uh, so my parents decided to, to come over and, and be with her. And the, <laughs> the other interesting part of that trip was um, uh, in those days, what people seemed to do was uh, my parents weren't very wealthy at all. And, but whatever they had, they converted into a diamond. And uh, that's the way people brought their their uh, uh, wealth <laughs> from uh, from Europe or from Asia into the United States, and uh, she had put my mother had put the diamond in a wallet, and my older sister was playing with the wallet and lost it. So, <laughs> so when when they landed, um, they literally came here with nothing. Fortunately, we had some family, and my father my father had a trade, and that's probably what kept him alive in the camps was he's an upholsterer. And he made a lot of furniture for, for the Germans. And uh, so uh, he was able to get work here pretty quickly because he was very good at what he did. Wow. As family reunification is the cornerstone of today's immigration system. Yeah. <clears throat> and our partners at George Mason University, the Institute for Immigration Research, along with World Education Services, did a study a few years ago looking at what are the factors that enable high-skilled immigrant professionals to succeed? And one of the biggest factors was um, family, having social support, a social network. And it's really crucial. And it was to you because they were the ones who gave you the loan to start your business. Well, yeah. And, and actually, um, my, <laughs> my, uh, my mother um, ran the show in our family uh, and, uh, you know, she was, uh, be, based on what they went through, she was uh, very, very careful about, she didn't like to take any risks at all. Uh, she wouldn't let my dad start his own business. She wouldn't, you know, she, she, he, uh, he wanted, you know, he, he wanted to be a bit of an entrepreneur and she, she wouldn't really let, let him. So um, uh, my parents w were uh, 
they banked at a, a small credit union, uh, which at the time uh, w- was in Mattapan and then moved to Brookline. And, um, and I approached the, uh, the president of the credit union for that $4,000 loan. And he, uh, he said, I'd love to give it to you, but you have no credit. And I, you know, he says, well, why don't you have your mother sign? So or your parents. So I contacted my parents and I asked them to sign. And my mother said, no, we're not, we can't risk that. So I went back to him and he said, wait a minute. He says, what's your mother's phone number? And he knew her and he picked up the phone and he said, sign the loan for this kid. Trust me, you're doing the right thing. And she did. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, that was that. And you hadn't even finished high school, but you had got into the business of, of insurance, right? Yeah, I, I, I got into insurance. Uh, you know, this is a joke. Nobody gets into insurance on purpose. It's usually either a family business or they somehow fall into it. Uh, but uh, I, when I was, um, uh, when I got my driver's license at 16 and a half, I got a part-time job after school uh, delivering uh, license plates and registrations uh, as a runner to um car dealerships and, and insurance agencies. And one of those agencies, when I, when I was about 17, offered me uh, a part-time job in the evenings several nights a week. And uh, I learned how to write, uh, sell uh, basically auto insurance at the time. And when I was in my uh, senior he- year of high school, um, that agency offered me a full-time job. I'd worked for them for the sum, for the summer the previous summer, and they offered me a full time job. And I had uh, two months to graduate, and I said, "Well, let me." I, this was a great opportunity. I wanted to take the job, and I figured, "Well, I can always go back and finish those two months." Um, I'm still thinking about doing that, but I haven't done it yet. As it turned out, I, I found out that that agency was was doing some things which uh, were clearly unethical. Um, I wasn't aware of it, sort of going on in the background. And um, I said, uh, I don't want to be involved in that. And I said, you know, some, um, you know, I don't think this agency is going to, they were one of the you know, more prominent agencies in the Brookline area at the time. And uh, I said, they're going to get themselves into trouble. I said, and they're going to be gone. So this area is going to need another agency. So again, I, I started from scratch. Um, and uh, opened up, and uh, and I was right. Uh, um, uh, one of the two owners ended up going to prison. <laughs> and I always worked from the age of eleven on. I always had a job. I never, never didn't have a part time job after school from the age of eleven on. So I was always active and and uh, and enjoyed doing things that were exciting and and interesting and challenging and uh, and. Uh, and not easy, you know. Uh, you know, if it was easy, everybody'd be doing it. Uh, and speaking, uh, speaking of yeah. not easy, yeah. I was going to ask you about what the insurance world was like since March of last year. Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I feel almost a little guilty answering it because we've done very well, uh, both as an agency ourselves and as an industry. Um, because of a number of reasons, but one of the big reasons is claims have been very, very limited. People haven't been driving. Uh, people have been home taking, you know, less exposure to risks in their homes. Um, and um, uh, so um, from, a, from a, you know, uh, 
experience and profitability standpoint, the industry has done very, very well. And um, agents have typically have profit share agreements with their insurance companies, and we benefit from that. So it's like I say, I almost feel bad about it, but we did very, very good uh, in, in that arena. And at the same time, um, the amount of business that we did, our level of new business and new clients uh, increased, which was actually our best year ever. Uh, and I think a lot of people were just looking for ways to save money and improve things. And they had a little more time because of their working remotely. Um, so we really, we really, the, as an agency, and again, I mean, we did, uh, we just, we've already completed three acquisitions this year. We also benefited from the fact that we've been working, uh, you know, uh, although a lot of our staff has been back in our offices, our offices have been closed to the public and uh, we've been doing most of our business remotely. And and it, it, for us, it's worked out nicely. And I think for our clients, because we've sort of educated them that most everything could be done remotely. They don't need to come into the office. I mean, they're welcome to, but um, so I think going forward, it's gonna be a plus for, for our industry. You know, you see billboards everywhere for Geico, and it's also gimmicky. You have the caveman, you have flow. Um, and they're doing everything they possibly can uh, to get clients. But what, how have you been able to be successful compared to all these big, big businesses? Well, quite frankly, um, you know, the, the, the Geico's and the progressives of the world, they, they have a certain market. And, and they, they, a lot of their clientele uh, tend to be uh, people who don't, uh, that just, uh, where, where protecting their assets is not that important. Somebody buys a car, they just want to get the set of plates on the car and drive it. Uh, so Geico will sell them the minimum coverage. Um, we won't do that. Uh, some agents will, but most agents try to make the buyer understand that they need a certain amount of liability. They need, you know, rental reimbursement, you know, so so if you're buying just on price, you, you get what you pay for. And if something happens, you, then you're going to have a problem. Um, in addition, again, if you're dealing with these direct writers, you're dealing with somebody who's either in South Dakota or, you know, maybe in some foreign country. Um, and um, if you have a problem, you really, you have nowhere to turn. We're there for the clients, you know, you know, fortunately in our industry, it's another positive thing about our industry is, you know, 80% of our clients, you know, pay their bills. They don't have accidents. They, you know, they don't, you know, and they, and, uh, but it's the 20% that, that have, where there's problems with financial or, 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 or claims. And we spent 80% of our time with those 20%, but, but that's what we're here for, to help them. Um, but we want to make sure that we're selling them the right coverage. And, and like I say, the, the uh, interestingly enough too, uh, you know, you mentioned Pride Flow, that's progressive. And those are the two of the biggest direct writers in the, in the country. But what most people don't realize is Progressive is the largest uh, independent agent company in the country. So we represent Progressive as well. They, they don't really advertise that a whole lot. But, um, uh, but uh, so, so even if somebody, you know, for some reason, they want to be with Progressive, they can come to us as well. So you said that your dad wanted to be an entrepreneur as well. It's sort of strange that your mom took this stance of not taking risks because, I mean, they took a risk to migrate. They took a risk to migrate twice uh, into a new place. Um, what do you think it takes to be an entrepreneur? Um, 
Well, I, well, I will say I was an entrepreneur before I got married, so I didn't have that issue that my dad had. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and again, like I say, he, he, uh, you know, both my parents came here not speaking any English and my dad went to night school and eventually they both got their citizenship and I, I tagged along with that. Uh, my mother just learned to speak English on her own, but um, uh, she was much more social and, and she learned the language much, much better and quicker than my dad. As an upholsterer, when you're working, you're really not doing a lot of talking, you know, so he, you know, his English was was a lot more broken. I mean, he, you, he did okay, but he, you know, um, I spoke, I grew up in, in my house, uh, speaking Yiddish to my dad until I moved out until I was 17. After a while, he wanted to open up his own shop. And again, um, she was just so, uh, you know, I mean, guess, I guess from you know, what they went through, um, they just didn't, she just didn't want to take the chance. I've had a number of other businesses along the way. I started this business at age 22. Uh, and I have, uh, this has been successful. The others, not so much. Um, so I, fa I failed a number of times. I probably had uh, five, six, seven other businesses. And, uh, and as I said earlier, I, I, I have absolutely learned more from those failures than I have from this one success. But I've been in the, in the rent-a-car business, uh, car rental leasing. I got into the travel business a year or two before the Gulf War. So uh, I, bought a, I bought an agency um, and it was doing okay. And then the Gulf War happened and the world stopped traveling. And that was it. <laughs> we, we, we basically lost 75% of our business overnight. You know, I think back, it's like one of the biggest lessons that I ever learned. I, I, I somehow ran across a book when I was uh, uh, in my early 20s, uh, early to mid 20s, uh, after I'd started my business. and. Uh, the name of the book was called OPM, and I never heard those initials before, but it was it meant other people's money. And uh, I, I didn't realize it, but I had already done that. I borrowed some money to, to start my business. But after I read that book, I, you know, it made me, you know, and I was, like I say, I grew up in a no risk type of environment, but uh, I realized that um, it, that's, uh, it, that's what it takes, you know? So I learned that borrowing is not a bad thing and extending yourself a little bit more than you think is reasonable, taking a little bit more, not too much, but um, if you feel you can take X amount of risk, multiply that by 1.1 or 1.2 and take, take that. Uh, because if, you get, if it doesn't work, you're not gonna end up in too bad of a situation. And how do you personally feel about America as a, this place uh, full of immigrants and has always depended on immigrants? and? opened its arms to immigrants? I, being one and my family being one, um, I, I think it's the most amazing country in the world as to how it's always had its arms open to immigrants. Um, I have mixed emotions about illegal immigrants um, because I saw how hard my parents worked to become citizens. Uh, how difficult it was for them to to learn the language and 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 go to night school and and um, and do everything that they had to do um, and they were proud to become citizens and and again as a child I automatically became one I didn't have to go through the process but because of what I remember them having to go through 
uh, and and what how much they appreciated what this country offers. Um, I, 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 you know, it, we have landscapers. Uh, my landscaper is you know American, but he has illegal immigrants working from him. Now these are nice people in the world. I love them. They, 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 you know, and and but I just. Um, I, I wish there was a better way for them to become legal. Um, uh, maybe not as difficult as, as it might be now, but um, um, I, I just feel that immigrants um, will, they feel like they're part of something that they're not outsiders if they are citizens of the United States and if they can legally vote and legally drive and do things of that nature. Nelly Kaplansky, thank you so much for joining us on JobMakers. This was a fascinating interview. So happy that you joined us for today's inspiring story of another immigrant entrepreneur. If you know someone who you should talk to, email Denzel, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. And please leave us a review. I'm Denzel Mohammed. Join us next Thursday at noon for another JobMakers podcast.